You know, we talked about changing that ominous music, and we just haven't gotten around to it yet. Well, hopefully by the end of the series, maybe by week seven, we'll have changed it into something a little bit happier. Well, hey, listen, it's great to be here again. Uh, Our family dealt with COVID for the past couple of weeks, and so if you were joining us online or if you joined us in person, you would have seen me from my living room. I'm glad that you got to know a little bit more of who I was there actually wasn't really much to see, but, uh, but there you go. I'm back with you, and I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, the whole family is better. My wife's here. My kids are here. So here we go. We're in week four of a series called Signs, and this is a series that's all about these seven significant signs in the Gospel of John. They're signs, or they're also considered miracles in John's Gospel. And if you missed the past few weeks, you can You can check out our online messages if you'd like to do it that way. But in the meantime, here's a quick recap. The past few weeks, first off, in week one, we saw Jesus turn water to wine, and we discovered that Jesus abundantly gives high-quality love, even in the mundane. In week two, we saw Jesus heal a royal official's son, and we discovered along the way that Jesus invites us to understand him as more than a magician. He's more than a miracle worker. He's a Messiah. And last week, we saw Jesus heal this 38-year invalid. And through that man's encounter with some religious leaders, we discovered that the heart of Jesus isn't about removing any position on sin, like you can't or you shouldn't have one. Jesus had one, but it's about changing your posture toward people. And this picture of who Jesus really is, it's, it's starting to emerge in the Gospel of John. We're starting to see it bit by bit. Who is Jesus really? But there's still some confusion about Jesus' true identity. Jesus tries to tell people that he's more than a magician. But some of them continue to follow him only because of these things that he's doing for them, because of the amazing signs, because of these miracles that he continues to perform. You could almost feel Jesus just growing weary. He's growing weary of the way that people are following him, of this kind of discipleship, because, because Jesus knows that they just keep missing the point. There is more to this journey of faith than free wine and free bread and free fish. There's more than that. There's more to this journey of faith than free coffee and good music and good friends, and good feelings, and we're going to start to discover that a little bit more this morning. When it comes to the seven signs in the Gospel of John, there always seems to be more to the story. It's not just water to wine. It's not just healing from afar. As remarkable as those things are, it's always been about something more. And the fourth sign in John chapter 6 is no different. So if you're following along Uh, With your Bibles, you can go to John chapter 6, and that's going to be verse 1. You're going to see it on the screen as well. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he, had already, he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages 
to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is, come, who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Question. What is it like for you when you try to focus while hungry? Some of you, you can probably power through it, right? You can power through it. You're used to it. And for some of you, it's probably not pretty, right? It's probably not pretty. You might even say you get hangry. You've you've heard this word before, hangry. You know exactly what I mean. You get all irritable. You're you're unpleasant because you can't focus on anything but your hunger. And until you bite into that Snickers bar, you're just going to stay that way. Have you seen those Snickers commercials? I think they're pretty clever. Betty White makes an appearance in one of them. The point of those commercials is that we tend to become somebody else when we're hungry. And sometimes we get hangry and just nobody likes you when you're hangry. And when kids get hangry, oh, it affects everybody. And nobody can focus until the hangry kid in the room gets fed, right? At least that's how it is in our house. We've got to feed the beast or else we're going to be hearing nothing but whining until, you know, our kid gets fed. Oh, you're trying to grade quizzes, mom? Not right now. Not until I get fed. We have to feed the beast. So you could imagine 5,000 plus probably hungry people coming toward Jesus. This crowd is truly massive. The estimate is 5,000 men. So the real number's likely far higher because John is just counting women, or he's not counting women and children. So you add in some of those hangry kids and you got a formula for failure when it comes to focus. Nobody's focused on what Jesus might have to say. They're all going to be focused on their stomachs. So Jesus sees this massive crowd coming toward him. And they're the same people that saw him heal the sick. So they're interested in this miracle worker. Jesus takes this opportunity to kind of do two things. He meets their felt need and he tests his disciples. Philip's the first one to sort of blurt something out. And all he can muster is a comment about how ridiculous Jesus' comment is, right? There's no way. There's just no way we're going to be be able to feed this entire crowd. It would take half a year's wages to give everyone just a bite. At least Andrew offers something. This boy has five loaves and two fish, but it feels kind of like Andrew's just looking around and and describing what he can see. Yeah, maybe he's like a verbal processor. Right? He's, just, he's just naming things. Five loaves, two fish, what can we do? The point is they've got nothing. The situation to them, it, it was another one of those impossible ones. 
And of course it was, but the impossibility of this situation, it doesn't change the fact that people are hungry. It doesn't change the crowd's physical need in that moment. It was still there. They're still hungry, and if Jesus wanted to continue teaching, if he wanted to give them food for the soul, he needed to give them food for the stomach. The felt need had to be met if Jesus was going to meet the spiritual one as well, this deeper spiritual need. And so he does. He miraculously multiplies bread and fish. He feeds people till they're totally full. Twelve basketfuls of bread are left over. He meets their physical need and then some. And the people are amazed because this is yet another miracle. And they say something that's true of Jesus, but they didn't get the implications quite right. Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Moses in Deuteronomy told their ancestors that a prophet would come from the Israelites. So they expected one, but they took it one step too far, and Jesus knows it. They thought he was going to be this political leader. They thought he'd become king of the Israelites and lead them to overthrow Rome. They thought that, basically they thought some things that they just didn't align with what Jesus was there for, with who Jesus really was. So he books it out of there. Jesus leaves. He doesn't get the chance to meet this deeper spiritual need in that moment. And if we continue reading, we discover that he crosses the lake. That's actually going to be the sign that we're going to discover next week. He crosses the lake, and the crowd follows him the next day. They pepper Jesus with all these questions. They're questions about when he arrived and eternal life and bread. And Jesus reveals something crucial about who he is. He says this in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and still you do not believe. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He's not talking about physical hunger here. You, you catch that. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual hunger, but people still aren't getting it. They aren't believing Jesus. The food they need is right in front of them, but they've missed it. When you get physically hungry, you reach for bread. You reach for that Snickers bar to satisfy the stomach. The crowd liked that Jesus overcame their hunger. He met that immediate need that they had, their felt needs, but they missed what was happening at a deeper level. Jesus came to satisfy their spiritual hunger. So what do you do when you get spiritually hungry? What is it that you reach for? Maybe you've heard this before. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says this elsewhere in Scripture. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and Jesus is revealing that he is how you satisfy spiritual hunger. When you're spiritually hungry, Jesus says, I'm the one you reach for. That hunger for something more, that hunger in the soul that you've been feeling it can only be satisfied by Jesus. And no amount of bread, no amount of Big Macs, or sad as this is, no amount of bacon is going to do it. Only Jesus. People are complex. You know that. 
We're all complex. We're physical, we're spiritual, mental, social, emotional, all rolled into one. God made us that way. And in the fourth sign, Jesus reveals this. That Jesus cares about the whole person. He offers food for the stomach and food for the soul. Anyone here know these books? Check this out. If you can go to the next slide real quick. Have you seen these books before? Have you read these? Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yes, Jeremy, you've seen this book. You've maybe read this book. I was on vacation with my parents when I think I was in high school, maybe early high school. I don't remember. And we almost always drove on these vacations, so I had a lot of time on my hands. And they had this version of these books called Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. And I ate this thing up. I mean, I loved this book. I loved the stories contained in Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. It was good. They're collections of stories that real people, they submit these stories and they just compile these stories together. And they're really, they're feel-good stories. They're meant to be inspirational. They're the book version of Hallmark movies. You know what I'm talking about. I loved them. And they're meant to offer exactly what the title suggests. They're meant to help the soul. They offer this pick-me-up. Just like chicken noodle soup when you're physically sick, these stories were meant to help your soul when you needed it. They were meant to satisfy something deep inside. And they worked. I mean, they worked in those moments. I remember reading these. I was really inspired by these stories. I couldn't put the book down. I read story after story. And they really did seem to help my soul. I felt what was intended by these stories. But I also vaguely remember I'd read a story, and after a few moments of feel-good, I was kind of right back where I started. The moment of feel-good would come and go, and I'd be hungry again. My soul wanted something more. It was longing for something that was lasting. What chicken soup for the soul did for me was real. It just wasn't lasting. It didn't remain. If you want to live life without spiritually hungering again, you need Jesus because the bread that Jesus offers, it's lasting. It remains. If you want to live life full and to the fullest, if you want to be truly alive without being distracted by that constant spiritual hunger, I mean, the way you were really meant and designed to live, then you have to receive Jesus. That's how your maker made you. He made you hungry for Jesus. And once you have Jesus, you'll never go hungry again. The deepest of spiritual needs is met. If you're wondering how you start to receive and take in that bread of life, you're in good company because the crowd in this story had the same question. In John 6, verse 28, they say this, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answers, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Receiving Jesus, taking in this bread of life, means believing that what he says is true. That Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the bread of life, that he's the source of eternal life, lasting eternal life. As we'll continue to discover in the Gospel of John, believing in Jesus means more than that. But it starts with this, that Jesus is the source of eternal life. 
In this fourth sign, Jesus shows us his care for the whole person. Cares for them physically, and he's caring for them spiritually. And this kind of care that Jesus shows people, the physical and the spiritual, they're meant to work together. He offers chicken soup for the body and the soul together. And I love when I hear about people who live this vision for life in the way that Jesus did. There's a family in our church just last week that told us on staff this amazing but also very challenging and ongoing story of how they're ministering to somebody in our local community. They noticed someone who was living in a less than ideal situation, and they invited her to their house for lunch. They started by meeting this immediate physical need, this felt need. And it gave them a chance to build this small amount of trust with this woman. They learned a lot about her situation, and over the past week, they've stepped up in very big ways. They've given her rides when she needed them. They've helped her in the process of finding work. They've helped her with some personal administrative essentials, and they've helped with a host of other essential needs. They've been able to offer care that goes beyond a handout. It's the kind of care that's meant to meet both her felt needs and the need to be connected with a healthy community. I talked to a member of this family who's been helping meet this woman's needs, and I asked about the woman's faith. Does she have faith? Does she have a background? And she does have a faith background, but they're doing something that I think is wise. They're building trust by meeting these immediate physical needs with a vision for getting her connected to a wider community. And in a deeper sense, helping her deepen her connection with Jesus. It hasn't been easy at all for this family, but they're living out the vision that Jesus gives us in this fourth sign. They're treating this woman as a whole person in need of both physical and spiritual care. They're attentive to her physical hunger with the hope of helping her connect more with the one who satisfies spiritual hunger as well. And this vision for life and ministry that Jesus gives us in John chapter 6, it's happening right here in our community. It's happening right now. But not just right here. It's happening internationally as well. Dan and Jenica Van Essen, many of you know Dan and Jenica. They're international workers. They're currently in Mexico. And they're connected to our family of churches, the Alliance in Canada. They were on staff here at Coburg Alliance during the pandemic. And they're living out the same vision that Jesus gives us, but in a different way. Here's Jenica Van Essen to share with you how she's living out this vision. Check it out.
with, with English, English with these friends who have asked, asked but to, to form a club, maybe an English club, and use Bible stories as the basis for it, and um, invite some of our neighbor kids. So, so I started by just asking those two friends, what do you think of this idea of an English club? But I want to do it based on Bible stories. How do you feel about that? Does that cause you any conflict or anything like that? They were all like, like totally, totally, totally excited, excited about the opportunity, opportunity. and, and we've been able to invite some neighbor, neighbor kids as well. At least one, one of them is coming so far, and we hope that we can make some connections with the other, other ones soon. And, and um, yeah, yeah, just, just it's, it's been a cool, cool opportunity to take something that is a felt, felt need and use it to um, provide for a deeper need as well. I love hearing stories of the way that this vision gets lived out in different ways, both locally and, as you can tell, internationally. And you can tell that, that Jenica, she's just been attentive to what God has been doing around her, right? What God might be doing, she's open to meeting the needs that are in front of her. She's meeting both these felt needs and these spiritual needs. I think it's very encouraging to hear about some of these things. As a local church, we do something similar in many ways, but specifically we have what's called a benevolent ministry. Benevolent is sort of a funny word, so I want you to just think care. It's a care ministry. It's a ministry that's all about compassion for those who have immediate felt needs. But as we've been reimagining this ministry, it's becoming about more than that. It's about the whole person. And care ministry is meant to be all about the vision that we've discovered in John chapter 6. It's about food for the stomach and food for the soul. Care ministry is about offering rides when they're needed, resume help, job connections, offering food and gas cards, paying an electric bill to keep the heat on this month. It's about all of that, and it's about meeting that spiritual hunger. It's about helping people meet Jesus, the bread of life, the only one who can satisfy that spiritual hunger in a lasting way. At CAC, we have a care fund. It used to be called the Benevolent Fund. And it's a, it's a fund, you'll probably hear it used both ways, but it's this fund we use in these moments of crisis. But as you've heard, there is this deeper vision in mind. Over the last year, we've given over three grand in food and gas cards to 14 different people, some of those people we've given to multiple times. This year, I would love to see us give six grand to 30 people. And I'd love to see us start connecting those numbers to people who've come to faith in Jesus because of that connection, and I think we can do it. This ministry is often reactive. We know that people have felt needs and that they're going to reach out to us because we're a church, and so we have a fund that's ready to help with that. I think if we become a little more proactive, we can easily meet this goal. So here's my Jesus math. Are you ready? I... I the last math class I had to take was my last year of high school, which is great for me. Here's my Jesus math. I'd love to see us celebrate at least 15 people who received food for the stomach and food for the soul, people who've received the bread of life and are never spiritually hungry again. $6,000 given to 30 different people, and 15 people come to faith because of those efforts. Do you want to see that happen as well? Do you want to see this happen? Because the reality is that you have to be part of it as well. And I know that some of you already are. We have a great care team already here at Coburg Alliance Church, but we need more people who are willing to be part of this team. 
If you're the kind of person who sees a need, you jump into action. You're eager to meet the need and willing to step into help, just like the family that I mentioned earlier, who took the initiative to minister to somebody that they just saw on the street. If you're that kind of person, the care team might be a great place to start for you to get connected with other like-minded people, very willing to step up and do the same things that you have a heart for. You can be part of this team in a couple ways. You can go to our website. You can sign up. The Care Ministries team will reach out to you, and they'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have as you pray and you think about being part of that team. Signing up doesn't mean that you're signing up to automatically be part of that team. They'll reach out to you and they'll connect with you to help you discern where you might fit as part of that team. You could also be part of this team by giving to the CARE Fund. And actually, we've made that about as easy as we can possibly make it. And it's so easy, in fact, that I'm going to walk you through it right now. If you have a smartphone, grab your smartphone. If you're still old school, I'm sorry. It doesn't work for that. But if you have a smartphone, go ahead and grab your smartphone And I'm going to walk you through how to do this. You might not have come prepared to do this today, and that's okay. We want you to be prepared. We want you to be ready to give to this fund when you're ready. So for now, just follow along. Follow along if you're not ready. There are a few ways that you can give to the CARE Fund, all of which are easy and they're secure. I'm going to show you how to give through the Church Center app, but there are two other easy ways to give. Some of you are e-transfer types. And so if you want to give through e-transfer, you can do that at info at coburgalliance.ca, just specify care fund. We have to know where that's going. Or you can text to give. And when you text to give, you do have to sign up for the Church Center app. But after you've done that, you just text to give every time after that. And when you text to give, you're going to text that number. It's very simple, 84321. You're going to give the number you want to give. So let's say it's $20. You put 20, followed by a space, followed by the word care. And that goes directly into the care fund. 20 bucks sent that way. It's that easy. If you don't have the Church Center app, you do have to download it and provide some basic information. And after you do that, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to show you. Don't be distracted, too distracted by my cute daughter when she was two months old. You're going to select the Church Center app. And I've got it right there, kind of in the top right. After you've selected the Church Center app, you're going to see this screen. Everybody sees this screen. You'll be familiar with it. You're going to go down to the bottom, and you're going to see actually those five options. The second one is give. You select give, and you're going to see a keypad. Put whatever you want to give, $20. You click next, or you select next there, and you'll see a few options. The first option is the fund itself. And you can give to a variety of funds if you want to, but you're going to see the benevolent option there. It's the fifth one down. I select benevolent. And then the frequency. Maybe you want to give every month. Maybe you want to give every couple weeks, whatever the case is. I'm going to choose one time. I'm just going to give once, and so I select one time now, and then there's the payment method. We are connected to Apple Pay. I'm going to select, actually, my MasterCard. For those of you who can do something crazy with the last four digits, you can't see that. Select MasterCard, and then all I'm going to do is click Give Now. Give $20 now, and it's that easy. You're going to get emailed a receipt, and you've given to the care fund. You've joined the efforts of what's happening as part of the care ministry. And actually, those who are part of the care ministry are now equipped for those moments when they need to meet a physical need right now. 
We often buy food and gas cards. That's kind of the main thing that we buy and we offer to people. But when the care team is equipped in this way, when they can draw from this fund, they can very easily connect with people and hopefully meet the deeper spiritual need. Our vision for this ministry, it follows what you see in John chapter 6. It's rooted in a desire to meet and help people be physically and spiritually full. It's both of those things. We want people to receive and enjoy chicken soup for the body and lasting chicken soup for the soul that only Jesus will offer. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to come on up. And if you have that spiritual hunger, if you want that bread of life, maybe you're joining us online or you're here in person, now's the time to receive it. Don't wait. I'm going to be up front for a bit after the service. We're going to have one or two others who will be up here who would love to pray with you to help you receive the bread of life. And if you're joining us online, you can hop into the chat or you can click the prayer function and there are going to be people there who'd love to pray with you in this moment. Let me just close us in a quick word of prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thanks that we can gather, we can open up your word, we can read from John chapter 6 and discover the, this fourth sign in the Gospel of John. It's true that it's amazing, Jesus, that you multiplied bread and fish. You wanted to meet that felt need that was available in that moment or that was needed in that moment. You took that opportunity to meet the needs of the people who were there, to teach and test the disciples, but we also see the deeper spiritual need, that deeper need that you want to meet, the reality that you offer yourself as the bread of life. Help us as a church Meet the needs that are in front of us, both the physical needs and the spiritual needs through our care team, through the care fund, and through any other opportunities that we find to meet both the felt needs and the deeper spiritual needs of those who are here in Coburg and around the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.